Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. Uh, I apologize for the delay between episodes. Your boy has been busy. Uh, the last 10, 11, 12 days have been just crazy. Uh, I called, uh, I had a stretch there where I called five games in 10 days in five different states in three different time zones. So I, I've been all over the country. Last week, I was in Boise, Idaho for the Big Sky Championship on Westwood One. Then I had to get on a plane and head, and head straight to Vermont for the America East Finals on Westwood One. Uh, so this has been hectic. I wasn't even in New York with, with Creighton or Fox for the Big East. I was uh, during, doing some travel with Westwood One for Championship Week, doing things on the national radio. Uh, so, again, I apologize for the long delay between episodes, but here we are. I am back now, and it is NCAA tournament time. Creighton has their seed. Creighton has their site. Creighton has their matchup. So let's talk about it. Creighton Blue Jay NCAA tournament preview. Here we go. There's a lot to get to. I ended up. I started writing this. I think I got to 11 pages. So just sit back and, and buckle up here because I got a lot of things I want to get into before I get into NC State and and Baylor looming and all that stuff. From a from a broad perspective, you know, this Creighton team is really really interesting, man. Like, I was thinking about this. Creighton is going to be a fascinating study into how accurate the computer analytic-based metrics are in this specific case. Now, one isolated uh, team and performance doesn't render everything uh, completely 100% the truth or completely 100% false, right? I'm just just looking at this situation for what it is. I think this is going to be a really interesting case study into the accuracies of of some of these analytics and how they viewed Creighton because it man the computers and the Ken Palms of the world they love them some Creighton just just think about think about it like this Creighton right now is ranked they are unranked in the AP poll they're not in the AP top 25 and most importantly for this discussion to, to think about so Creighton got a six seed in the NCAA tournament. They're a six seed. So outside of the top AP top 25 poll, and if you're looking at the seeding, in fact, you look at the, the, the seed list, the committee ranked Creighton 22nd in the country. Six seed. Yet when you look at the computers, Creighton is ranked 13th at Ken Palm, 17th in the net, 15th at Torvik, 11th in BPI, just to name a few. So the computers, the analytics, the numbers, they see Creighton as more of a 3-4 seed, more so than a 6 seed. 
To take it a step further, sticking with Ken Palm, because I am a huge Ken Palm guy. I think it's, I, I think it's, you know, we got 20 years of data here. It's pretty, it's, it's not, you know, 100% always just gospel, but it's pretty damn accurate. Sticking with Ken Palm to take this whole thing a step further. Since, two, since Ken Palm started in 2002, the past 20 national champions have had a top 39 offensive efficiency ranking and a top 22 defensive efficiency ranking. 20 years of data, 20 years of running the numbers, 20 national champs, they all fit that criteria. Top 39 offensive efficiency, top 22 defensive efficiency ranking in the country. The following teams fit that criteria. Houston, Bama, Texas, UConn, Kansas, UCLA, and Creighton. So according to the 20-year Ken Palm trend, one of those seven teams are likely winning the title. So again, according to Ken Palm, Creighton technically falls under that umbrella of a team that could win the national championship. Again, the computers, the analytics, the numbers, the predictive-based metrics, all those sorts of things, like they love Creighton. So this is going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Because even okay, let me look at it this way. If we list those seven teams that fit the criteria of winning a national title, according to Ken Palm's twenty-year based sample size here, if we list those seven teams that fit the criteria of winning a national title just by seed in the NCAA tournament, it sounds like this: one seed, one seed, one seed, two seed, two seed, four seed, six seed. You're kind of like, okay, hmm. Just kind of interesting to think about. I actually, I actually think Creighton got as good of a seed as they could have hoped for, given their resume in terms of of quad one wins, which was only three. So I've gotten some people like, oh, do you, Nick, do you agree with the seed? I, I thought I actually like before the before the selection Sunday unfolded, I was predicting a seven seed. I thought they were going to get a seven seed. So I thought six seed was pretty good. I think I think the seed was fair. And like I said, I actually saw a scenario where I thought Creighton was going to get a seven seed. Just interesting things to chew about. It'd be very interesting, kind of like a case study on like, wow. There's the numbers that, you know, Bart Torvik's, the BPIs, the Ken Palms, the net, all that stuff. Then there is like the seed and what's going to happen. The other thing I was thinking about with Creighton is before we kind of get into the prediction of, of all this stuff, I'll be honest. I really, really like this team. I also at the, t- at the same time feel like I, I don't really have a great feel for this group. I, I don't by this time of year I usually have a pretty good handle on you know I've been around Creighton basketball every year either as a player a coach or a broadcaster since 2005 
I, I've more often than not, I feel like I have a great feel for for Creighton and a good sense of like how they're how they're going to play and all this stuff. Like, I, I'm I have a hard time with this group. I really like this team, but to me, I, even like their two games, Creighton's two games at the Big East tournament are kind of like. <laughs> they're kind of emblematic, symbolic, whatever, a, a, a microcosm. Maybe that's not the right word. Like they're kind of like the case in point of Creighton right now. Like where the spectrum for this team can be pretty wide at times where Creighton played maybe their best 40 minutes of basketball all season dominating Villanova in the quarterfinals at Madison Square Garden and then followed it up with maybe their worst 40 minutes of basketball all season long getting dominated by Xavier. Against Villanova, Creighton looked like a legitimate Final Four caliber team. I was sitting in my hotel room in Burlington, Vermont, watching the game going, holy shit, look at these guys. And then against Xavier, they looked like a, a Division II team at times. I'm like, what is going on? So as Creighton now heads into the NCAA tournament, regardless of their path and matchup and all that stuff, I'm telling you right now, nothing would really shock me with, with the outcome. I could legit see Creighton playing in the Elite Eight standing toe-to-toe with someone, throwing haymakers in a regional final, I guess now the 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 South region. I could see them standing toe-to-toe in the Elite Eight. I could also see Creighton losing in the first round on Friday to NC State. Nothing would really surprise me. And it's it's weird even with specific players on the roster. And again, I like every one of the players. They're all talented. They all bring a lot to the table. But but I was I was thinking about this on my flight. Like outside of Kalkbrenner's kind of defensive impact, and maybe like Baylor Shireman's defensive rebounding, like I'm not totally 100 percent sure what I'm going to get from certain guys game to game. And even this weekend, like I'll put it to you like this between Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Kaluma and Shireman, all four of those guys could go have 23 points against NC State. They could also have three points against NC State. It's entirely possible. Now, the balance with this team is terrific. I thought that was on display against Villanova where it was like Kaluma's hitting him, Trey Alexander's hitting him, Nemhard off the ball screen, Kalkbrenner posting up and dunking. You know, like Shireman banging a three. Like the ba- the balance is terrific. And it can be, you know, a sight to behold when it's when it's right. But I think I think lost in the beauty of the balance with this team is we sometimes overlook the night to night element of not totally knowing what you're going to get from certain guys from a, a points and production standpoint. Now, that's not to say everybody's going to play great every single night. You know what I mean? Like, that's the beauty of balance is you don't need all five guys clicking every single night. But at the same time, 
it is just kind of interesting how you have these big swing. Like Kaluma can't even close a game against Marquette and at home, and then and then against Villanova, he's the best best Blue Jay in that game, right? You're like, what? And I get that sometimes basketball, but there's just these swings with guys at times, right? Nemhard looked like I mean, Nemhard struggled in the second half against Marquette, struggled at Val, that Villanova, looked like you know, the second coming of TJ Ford and Isaiah Thomas against Georgetown at home. And then look like, and, but then Sule boom and company and those guys in the, in the semifinal kind of just controlled him the whole time. Does that make sense? Like, again, I like the balance, but there's just this element with these, with the guys where it's like, like, I felt like it got to the point where it's like Marcus Zagorowski, mark it down. I know what I'm getting from that guy. Right, like by the end, Tyshawn Alexander, know what I'm getting from that guy. Damian Jefferson, but I know what I'm getting from that guy. Christian Bishop, by the time he was, I know what I'm getting from from CB. Doug, Ethan, know what I'm getting from those guys. Like Gibbs, I know, I know what he. Some of these guys, I, I'm not sure. Again, I like this team a lot, but I've also kind of just grown accustomed to not fully knowing what I'm going to get at times. Right, they can. Half to half, game to game, it can be like, man, this is this like one of the five best teams in the country? To like, then you watch the second half or the next game, you're like, what? What's going on? Like, I mean, Baylor Shireman, he could go seven for ten from three on Friday against NC State, but he could also go one for twelve. And I get that's the nature of shooting, but it's just it's interesting, right? Kaluma could have twenty two points, ten rebounds, and look like an NBA draft pick on Friday against NC State. He could also have three points, four fouls, and four turnovers and be sitting on the bench. Like now, I, I, I want to like almost delete this part of the podcast. I hate that I feel like I'm. It sounds like I'm being negative. I really, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be honest with you guys. I'm just trying to let you into into my brain right now. Like again, usually I feel like by this time of year, like man, I know, I know, I know this team. I know what Creighton can do, who, who they are, who they aren't, all that stuff. I, I'm not. This group has has perplexed me at times. I'm sincerely sitting here telling you I really like this team. I really do, but I'm also sincerely sitting here telling you. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they got beat by eight to ten points on Friday by NC State. It, I, it wouldn't surprise it, it wouldn't surprise me if they're also standing toe to toe with Alabama in Louisville with a trip to the Final Four on the line, fucking throwing haymakers at them. That wouldn't surprise me either. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack. Great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say 
is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. <laughs> it's just, it's it's wild, man. I'm just That's kind of where I'm at right now. But to flip the conversation to the other side with Creighton, like the computers do love this team for a reason, and so do I. And so do I. That's starting five, really good. And when it's right, like you saw against Nova in the quarterfinals, shh, dog. Come on, man. Pretty good. Creighton's defense is legit. This is a battle-tested team. They've played one of the toughest schedules in the country. Their strength of schedule, really good. They check a lot of the boxes that you want in an NCAA tournament team that's going to make a run. Talent, check. Rim protection, check. Really good half-court defense, check. Experience, check. Kalkbrenner, Kaluma, Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, Sharif Mitchell, Francisco Farabello have all played in the NCAA tournament. The only guy that hadn't played in the NCAA tournament of, of note is... Ryan Nemhard because he was hurt last year. And I'm not worried about I'm not worried about like R2 getting stage fright. Nemhard getting out there and the lights being too big and you know the stage being too big and, and all that. No, I'm not worried about that. But experience, check. Great coach, check. Very tested. Check. Creighton played a, a tough schedule and comes from a really good basketball conference in the Big East. So again, they check a lot of the boxes that you want. Then there's a couple of specific things that, you know, with, with this group. Like I do, I I've always said if I were as a coach, this would be like a pillar in, in what I do. I really like that this team, this Creighton team, doesn't foul. I love it. I love that. Creighton is third in the country in fewest fouls per game. They're second in the country in free throw rate defensively. They rarely put teams at the free throw line and rarely let a team live at the free throw line and score, you know, 15, 18, 20, 22 points at the free throw line. And what you find out is when you're not fouling, you're you're not getting into foul trouble, obviously, and you're not giving teams easy points at the line. It's a great place to start, right? And to expand on Creighton's defense, because I've... I I've I saw this with uh man there was there there were some takes on Twitter after Kalkbrenner got announced as the defensive player of the year and I just I it, it, I don't get it I mean and this isn't just about Kalkbrenner but he's kind of like the you know he's the driving force behind this defense right so I mean right now Creighton's defense they rank 15th in Ken Palm's defense efficiency ranking so they're a legitimate top 15 defense that's i mean you're a top 15 defense you're really good defense and sometimes i don't know if people understand how Creighton's defense is constructed like when you really get in the nuts and bolts of it because Creighton's defense forces you to take twos not threes twos in fact, Creighton forces teams to score 58.8% of their points from two. That number is ranked seventh in the country. 
So what that means is that is by design. That's not because they're getting like, oh man, you can really beat up Creighton inside. No, they're 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 inviting you. They want you to make tough twos, take tough twos, and in particular from that like mid range area. They they want teams to beat you with twos, and more often than not, tough twos. And the reason I'm getting into the weeds with Creighton's defense is because they aren't your conventional uh, good good in air quotes, good defense that jumps off the TV screen with amazing on-ball pressure and forcing turnovers and getting steals and blocking a million shots or full-court pressing. They're not like that. Crane's not like that at all. But they're a really good defense because they kind of slowly methodically lull you into just being a little uncomfortable with the shots you're taking. Like, you watch Iowa State play defense. You watch T.J. Otzelberger's group play defense. And you go, whoa, whoa. Look at that on-ball pressure. Look at them trapping on the baseline. Look at them flying around and forcing a turnover and shoving people in the paint. Whoa. Right? Like, it, it, you don't have to be Greg Popovich to to go, whoa. Okay. But it's hard because you so, – so that is easy to see. But you watch Creighton, and it's none of that. And you kind of go then to yourself, well – how how are these two defenses like both how is Iowa State their defense how are they eighth and Creighton is 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 15th and they're basically like so they're they're basically almost the same like I, I, I huh how how is that happening again it's not obvious Creighton just does it differently Creighton kind of allows you to operate with comfort. And what I mean by that is they're not, they're going to like, it's not like they're going to get out and deny passes 45 feet from the basket or pick you up 94 feet. Uh, You know, Sharif Mitchell might, might get in your ass a little bit when you cross half court and try to heat you up a little bit, but it's not like they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to trap ball screens all the time and try to deny passes and, and turn you over. Like they're gonna let you kind of come in. You're gonna enter offense. They're gonna like you're gonna be able to get into your little horn set, and you're gonna be able to run your little flare screen. And here comes your cross screen, down screen. You're gonna be able to do all that shit. But guess what? You're gonna end up taking the shots you probably don't want to take. They kind of, if you think about it, they flip the analytics offensively and apply it to defense. Basically, analytics, numbers, all this stuff, and this is what Greg McDermott's huge into the numbers and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm ho hum on it. Like, I, I think it's there as a place for it, but I mean, this I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to explain some stuff here. Basically, analytics for basketball, the numbers tell you, offensively, you want threes, free throws, and layups. Those are the shots you should be trying to get offensively. Okay, well, Creighton kind of reverse engineers it and goes, okay, well, let's kind of build everything around taking away those three things, which they kind of do. They don't foul. 
so they're not putting at the free throw line. They contest everything with one of the best shot blockers and shot alterers in all of college basketball with, with Kalkbrenner. So it's hard, it's hard to get layups and dunks. And because of Kalkbrenner and his, his ability, they try to stay attached to three-point shooters and not allow a bunch of rhythm wide-open threes. So Creighton's defense is challenging to attack, but in a different kind of way. It's not because of the, you know, the hot turnovers and ball pressure and all that stuff. In fact, Creighton is almost, they're close to dead last in the country in defensive turnover percentage, meaning percentages of possessions that they turn you over. They rank 356th in the country in defensive turnover percentage, which again is basically like almost dead last in terms of turning teams over. But that's fine because that's not their objective. That's Iowa State's objective, right? Like that's that's how they build their defense. They're going to get after your ass. They're going to trap you. They're going to be physical with you. They're going to get all over you. They're going to foul you. Both can achieve the same thing but do it very differently. And the reason I brought up Kalkburn is I think some people look at Creighton and they turn on the TV and they're like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't like, they see that, you know, the defense is like the numbers and all that stuff, but they see Kalkburn and it's like, ah, like, yeah, he blocks some shots, but like, I don't get it. It's like, we got to understand how the defense is built. I'm amazed watching Kalkburn play, man. It's incredible. But it's a fascinating defense to watch and I kind of wanted to elaborate on it. So people... I don't know. It's again, like I said, when you turn on and watch, I'm just using Iowa State as an example. It's just you you see it. You're like, oh man. Oh, and and then sometimes the not to say that it's it's not totally right, but sometimes the low hanging fruit for people is to is they equate defense with steals and and turning you over. That's a part of it, but that's not the the only way to play good defense. Make a team take a, a shot they're a little uncomfortable taking and then get the rebound. How about that for defense? That's how Creighton does it. So uh, it'll be a big challenge for NC State and, and Baylor or whoever they play in, in plays Creighton in the tournament. They're a unique team, man. They're, they're a unique team defensively. So there is a lot to like about this team. Despite the, you know, Wide spectrum of outcomes and how I, you know, nothing would surprise me. Okay, let's let's get into this weekend. Uh, again, Creighton, South Region 6 seed. They're taking on NC State in Denver. Then they'll play the the winner of Baylor and UC Santa Barbara. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, the cliche is always, it's about matchups, which is true. It, it is true. So the question is, is how is Creighton's matchup? Like, how is their path? What do you think? I'd say there are good things and bad things. I can't sit here and say like, you know, oh my God, amazing heaven sent path. I don't believe that. But also I'm not sitting here opening a bottle of Jack Daniels and going, oh my God, what a brutal draw. Now, I will say the good thing, the good thing about the draw and the matchup is Creighton has finally gotten out and gotten away 
from playing the same grinder, defensive, root canal team they've seemed to draw for 10 straight years in the NCAA tournament. It has been remarkable to watch 10 years of NCAA tournament matchups, a decade of NCAA tournament matchups, and it's like Creighton, every first round, draws a trip to the dentist from Rhode Island to Alabama to Cincinnati to Kansas State to San Diego State forever. It has seemed like Creighton has drawn a defensive team that is a physical, wants to slow the game down and make it a street alley fist fight that ends in the low 50s. That's not NC State. NC State is a team, they want to play fast, they want to score, they average 78 points per game, they'll take quick shots, so that is good. It's nice to not draw a trip to the dentist for root canal. And while this Creighton team isn't as electric in the open floor in a in transition as you know Doug Doug McDermott's teams were or Maurice Watson teams or Mar- Marcus Zagorowski's teams while they're not as electric as those teams were running and gunning they're still pretty damn good when they get out and and run they're still pretty pretty tough when they get up and down Kalkbrenner for for a dude that's 7-1 can move Shireman excellent open floor transition passer Nemhard really fast, baseline to baseline, pushing the ball. Kaluma trailing the play, making things happen, really tough. Trey Alexander, multidimensional guy that can catch and shoot in the open floor. He can initiate it and handle it and bring it up. Like This team's got weapons in the open floor. So that is good. That's probably the, that's the good part of this matchup. You didn't draw San Diego State, Rhode Island, Kansas State, Cincinnati, a team that's just like, ah, what do you think about a fist fight that ends 49 to 46? You're like, oh, God. But this NC State team is pretty active on defense. I don't want to build them out to be just, you know, Swiss cheese on defense and let's go get it off the, you know, take it out and, and shoot it in two seconds. That's not exactly how this team's built. Kevin Keats, NC State's head coach, he's typically been a pressure, even at times full court, three-quarter court pressure kind of a guy. Uh, NC State's a team, they chart deflections in a game defensively, just like Marquette does. Their goal is 40 a game. So that is obviously a window into their mind of what they're trying to do defensively. I just explained, you know, Creighton and their objectives and what they're trying to do defensively. Well, NC State, one of the things they probably, they talk about is deflections. They want to get out there, get get hands on passes, get hand, it, t- grab the ball, touch the ball. They're active. They're trying to turn you over. They're trying to speed you up. Which is a little concerning from the standpoint that there have been a few Games or even just moments in games or halves of games. Most recently, the the last Xavier game in the semifinals of the Big East tournament where Creighton will just kind of inexplicably just get like, they'll all of a sudden you look out there and Creighton's just getting bullied physically, defensively by their opponent. Where they're, all of a sudden Creighton's just getting punked out there. There are games 
where Creighton looks a little weak physically and they're just getting rooted and moved and bullied around. Like, I kept the amount of times I saw on Saturday or on Friday night, excuse me, watching Xavier and Creighton in the Big East tournament. Like, Sule Boom, who's like a skinny point guard. Like, Sule Boom would just bully Ryan Nemhart off his spot when he'd be trying to come off a handoff and he couldn't get a handoff. He'd either get it denied or the handoff would take place 38 feet from the basket and now the play's blown up. Like, that's just one example. But, like, there are certain instances where all of a sudden you're like, man, Creighton's out there getting, they're getting deboed. They're getting doiled out there. They're getting moved around out there. And NC State can and sometimes will play that way. They'll switch some screens. They'll try to pressure up, get into the ball, get into the ball handler. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And, and the reality is Creighton has shown on tape they're a little susceptible to that, and that is is a good way to probably try and play them. And what's, what's weird is Creighton has shown that they can handle the ball and not turn it over. It's not like it's been from start to finish this year. This team has just been coughing it up and struggling to handle the ball all season long. That's not true at all. It's not like they've struggled all year with, with turning the ball over. But they've had certain games and moments where they have. I mean, I think of the Marquette game a few weeks ago at home. First half against Marquette, they're handling the ball. They're handling the pressure. They're getting good shots. They're up 12. And then as the game wars on and it gets in the second half, all of a sudden things flip. Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick, Stevie Mitchell, Oso Iguodaro, Omax Prosper, all of a sudden those guys bullied the shit out of Creighton, and Creighton turned it over. And you're like, same team, same opponent, same court, same night, totally different outcomes within the same game. But you think UConn at UConn kind of got got moved around. Marquette, I just told you about. Xavier, we looked at. Just kind of punk Creighton moved them around. So that is something that concerns me to the bad, if you're thinking about the matchup. So Creighton very ready to handle the ball. So it's, it's I don't know, bad or whatever. It's just that's that's a little concerning for the the matchup. But let's get specific with this with with this NC State team because this is a dangerous NC State team. But let me be clear: they're an 11 seed for a reason. They were on the bubble for a reason. They they've been a little inconsistent. They've been hot and cold. Uh, they they've had some games where they've gotten blasted. 
in particular against Clemson a couple of times where game just kind of got away from him. Clemson lost 96-61 at home and then in in the even in the in the ACC conference tournament they lost 80 to 54 to Clemson. So there there is this team let's not build this team out to be, you know, the the 2017 Golden State Warriors or something like that. I mean they were an 11 seed for a reason. They were on the bubble for a reason. They're, they're, they've had some shortcomings at times. So let's just maintain perspective here. But I will say when when I sat down and really, you know, I've, I've seen NC State throughout the year, but just to really like, it's different when you're like sitting down and you're watching a game through the lens of like, okay, here you go. Creighton's going to have to play this team. Because you turn on the film and NC State does all, does it jumps off the page in the challenges that they present you. I mean, number one, the first thing is they got explosive, explosive guards. Now, I don't think I'm not. I don't think these are, this is like the best guards Creighton has faced this year. But you could argue they're they're two to three of the most explosive guards. I mean, Terquavion Smith for NC State, wowza! This dude to try to give people, a, you know, Creighton fans a picture of what they can expect from Smith. This dude is in a perpetual state of a heat check. This dude is on the floor at all times feeling like he has just hit five threes in a row and he can't wait to get an inch for the, for the sixth one because it is, it is going up and going in. Even if he's one for his last 14 from three, his, that's how his, he, he acts and feels. His confidence is through the roof. He averages 17 points per game. He's second team all ACC. He made, he's made 90 threes on the season. And he'll shoot them from anywhere. Transition, 28 feet, ball screened, step back, 24. It, he'll, he'll shoot them from anywhere. So he's the lead guard. Then there's Jarkel Joyner. He's made 62 threes. He averages 17 points per game. He's aggressive. And then the third guard is Casey Morsell. He averages 12 points per game, and he's made 77 threes on the season. So those three guards combined to average 46 points per game, and those three guards have combined to make 229 threes so far on the season. For perspective for Creighton fans, the 2020 Creighton Big East title team, the guard trio of Marcus Zagorowski, Mitch Ballock, and Tyson Alexander, they made 249 threes on the season. So again, the NC State trio, they've made 229. So only a 23-point difference there. So in the same ballpark. And to combine it all, those three, Zegarowski, uh, Alexander, Ballock, in 2020, they, aver- they combined average 44 points per game and eight made threes a game. Smith, Joyner, and Morsell for NC State, They've combined to average 46 points per game and almost seven threes a game. I'm just trying to give perspective here. I'm not saying, like, I think Zegarowski, Tysh Alexander, Mitch Ballack are better than these three guards. I'm, I'm not trying to insinuate that. I'm just saying from a, from a raw production standpoint, shot-making standpoint, scoring standpoint, it's a pretty electric trio, especially Smith. So Creighton's guards better be ready to defend especially in transition, especially in ball screen situations. And the ball screen defensive situation is something that I, I that has my eye because it's an interesting matchup because like we've talked about as I've diagnosed Creighton's defense, Creighton runs 
drop coverage in ball screens with caulk printer. I'm sure you've seen it by now. When a ball screen's coming in the middle of the floor, caulk printer doesn't get out there and hard hedge or trap or get extended out in, in the court. Picture it in your mind. Where is caulk printer usually at? He's usually in the middle of the lane at that free throw line area. So usually guards can kind of come off a ball screen and there isn't necessarily a hedge man right in their airspace right on him. And I, as I was watching film, I just I wonder if you aren't inviting pull up jump shots from those two guards or those those three guards in particular Smith, if you play it that way. Now the important thing, if you are going to run the drop coverage and and not have a hedge the way that that Creighton operates it, is twofold. Number one, you know Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Sharif Mitchell when he's in, whoever better fight through the screen. They better if they get hit and velcro the pick, look out. They got to be ready to fight through the screen. You got to communicate the screen when the, when when Kalkbrenner says pick left, pick left, you better start to get in the ball handler. Nemhard better get in to Smith. Trailers better get into Smith, get into his body, fight him over the screen and get over the top of it. You can't get caught peeking. You can't get caught snoozing where all of a sudden there's airspace. You wham, you Velcro a screen. That bitch is going up. That three is coming up. Smith is going to let that thing fly. And the the second thing is, I think Kalkbrenner needs to come out maybe a little bit further. Not a hard hedge. I'm not saying go get your shoulders parallel to the sideline. Go out there and trap. I'm still saying drop coverage. But just a, a, a step and a half further out with your long 7-1 reach, just kind of breaking the rhythm of Smith, Morsell, Joiner, whoever, when they come off, make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Don't be don't be retreating back with your hands down, letting them just walk into a three. Now, if the, do they want to mix some hard hedges in there? Whatever. If they want to do that, that, that's fine. I don't think they necessarily will because that's not how they've done things throughout the year. But I'm talking about Kalkbrenner using his length at least to kind of Disrupt the rhythm of the ball handler as they're coming off those screens in the middle of the paint. Like I said, if Creighton lets, lets Quavion Smith, those guys come off ball screens and they Velcro the screen and and, and they could get hot and could be in trouble. Got to find a way to to funnel things to the paint like they usually do. Kalkbrenner, go challenge those things. Don't step off shooters. Basically, those three guys, Morsell, Smith, and Joyner, they make all of NC State's threes. Transition threes, ball screen threes, you know, drive and kick threes off ball screens, all that stuff. It's a big part of their offense when they get in the half court, and then obviously in the full court as well. I've talked about the, the defense for NC State and how they want deflections, they want to get out and run. So obviously Creighton taking care of the ball and handling the pressure is going to be important too. But the other guy we got to talk about is NC State's big man, DJ Burns, who is a fun player. I'm not, he is a really fun player. He's an interesting player to watch. He's their five man. He's a Winthrop transfer. He started his career at Tennessee, then went to Winthrop, and is now at NC State. He's talented. And he, I'm not going to lie, he's one of those guys. 
you turn on the you're going to turn on the game on Friday if you've never watched him play. He's going to walk on the court. He's going to catch your eye, and you're going to kind of go because he's uh, how would you how could I put this? Like he's a little husky, he's a little husky. You guys catch my grip there. He's a, he's a little like Jersey looks like he's got a schmedium on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but here's the thing: he can actually kind of move. He's actually pretty skilled. And but what's interesting about his mobility, he's much more mobile on offense than he is on defense. On offense, it's weird. It's almost like you're watching two different athletes. On offense, he can kind of face up and move and and like his his first step is decent. He's really powerful because he's got that big husky body. But I think he really struggles to move in ball screens defensively. He's not great laterally, and he's not a great vertical jumping athlete. Like, he's not an above-the-rim five-man. And if, if NC State tries to just hedge ball screens with DJ Burns, Creighton needs to set 50,000 ball screens on DJ Burns. I think Creighton can have a field day. Field day strong. I think they can have a lot of success if Burns isn't switching and they're trying to hedge and he's trying to recover. I think the pick roll lob element is very much in play for this game, potentially, depending on how they they play it. But DJ Burns is very capable and skilled offensively. I mean, and and he's unique because he'll He'll post up with his back to the basket, but he's more of like like he'll he'll catch at fourteen feet and face up and like and put it on the floor a little bit and then get his back into you like he he's he, he can pass a little bit he can he he's left handed he can kind of he can hit little flip shots and all that stuff but for me I I look on film and I actually think I, I think Kalkbrenner's size is going to bother Burns. I mean, it's almost like a bull versus a giraffe. Like that's I just think the length of the giraffe, Kalkbrenner giraffe is going to is going to bother Burns. You know, Kalkbrenner does a great job. He doesn't go for fakes. He stays on his feet. I think as long as as he does that, uses his length, I think Burns is going to have a hard time scoring on him. But he's I mean, Listen, going through through the ACC, the guy, I mean, he had some 30-point games, some 27-point games. He averages 12, 12.8 points per game, just under five rebounds a game. I mean, he, he's, a, he's an interesting player. Now, he hasn't, he's, he has not taken a three all year. So he's not, he's not a pick-and-pop guy. He's, he's not a dude that's going to take jump shots. So Kalkbrenner should win that battle in, in the paint defensively against Burns. But he's a capable player and a fun player. But I just say, I, it's just weird. I don't know if you guys have noticed that with certain big guys at times. Like, he, 
it's weird how certain guys can look mobile on one end of the floor and then not very mobile on the other end of the floor. Like offensively, it's like, oh, this guy can move a little bit. Then defensively, you go, man, he can't move. So I think Creighton needs to attack him and pick rolls all night. Or all afternoon, I should say, on Friday. Now, NC State is also their team that doesn't turn it over. They're third in the country in turnover percentage. They they very rarely turn the rock over. But like I told you a little bit ago, you know, Creighton, you know, they're a team that they're not built to to turn you over. That's not what they do. Creighton ranks 356 in defensive turnover percentage. They don't rely on that. But that doesn't render that stat meaningless. Like, nevertheless, the turnover margin and turnover battle in this game is going to be important, as is the three-point line. Creighton's been kind of streaky all year from three. They can have games where they're hot and they make 12, 13, 14 threes. They can also have games, as as we've all seen, where they go you know three for 22. You're going to have to make some threes this weekend in Denver, and you're going to have to defend the three-point line, especially with those three guards for NC State. With all that said, I think Creighton is the better team, and I do think Creighton will win the game. Got to contain Smith. He, he, You can't just let him go out there and go crazy, because I'm telling you right now, Smith is one of those dudes. He, This guy is... It, it, he's going to be on... It's the NCAA tournament. This dude's been waiting to to do that. Like he is taking twenty shots. He's going to gun. He's going down swinging. It's the tournament. He's going all out. You, you can't. He's going to score because he's a scorer. But you can't let him go crazy. You contain Smith. You take care of the ball, and then you know the three point battle. You, Creighton makes a few and and defends the three point shooters for. For NC State, I just think over the course of 40 minutes, Creighton's the better team if those three areas kind of go Creighton's way. Take care of the ball, contain Smith, three-point battle. Creighton hang in there, make a few. I think I think they'll be okay. So I think Creighton beats NC State, but this I'm telling you, this team's dangerous. It's a dangerous team. I heard Greg McDermott say this. They're very similar to Arizona State, and I think that's a good call. The Arizona State is a team that beat Creighton earlier this year, albeit without Kalkbrenner in Las Vegas, but still Arizona State very similarly built, very similarly built as this NC State team is. And you know Arizona State, they're obviously uh, they're in they're in the playing game in the NCAA tournament. So another team that's around the an eleven seed, but very, it's a good call by Coach McDermott. I think Creighton wins, but I think it's going to be an interesting game. Could be a high scoring game which is fun, which would all potentially set up a date with the three-seeded Baylor Bears. Now, I think of all the three seeds, when you look at all the three seeds in the field, Baylor, Gonzaga, Xavier, and Kansas State, uh, in, for me, and this isn't like saying it after the fact, I would have, I, I've said this throughout the year, Baylor, would, Baylor is the team that I least wanted to see of those three seeds. Baylor, Gonzaga, Xavier, and Kansas State. Xavier, you kind of like, I mean, Creighton's seen them, but like Kansas State, I'd have said, bring it. Gonzaga, I think Kalkbrenner versus Timmy, I think Kalkbrenner could have hung in there with him. Everybody else, I think, you know, Gonzaga's not as talented as they've been in the past. I think Gonzaga's really good. I'm not saying they're not good, but they don't got Jalen Suggs, you know. They don't got Corey Kispert. But Baylor, Baylor is the team that I would have least wanted to see mainly because of their guards. They're big time. 
And for as much as I just gushed, and maybe this is probably like wasn't smart for me to gush over the NC State guards, Baylor's guards are better, quite a bit better. Baylor's guards are, man, when it's right, when all three of them dudes are rolling, I'm not sure there's a better trio of guards in the country. LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George, when those dudes are cooking, you're you're in trouble. Keontae George is a freshman NBA lottery pick, projected top 10 pick. Adam Flagler, a grizzled veteran, he was he averaged nine points per game and came off the bench on the title team two years ago. He now averages 15 points per game. He's kind of their dude. LJ Cryer, when he was on that title team, he's been around for three years. He averages 14 points per game. He can shoot it. Between the three of them, 44 points per game. They've combined to make 228 threes as well. They've each combined to make around 75 threes. Like, again, arguably the best trio of guards in all of college basketball. They're number two in the in Ken Palm's offensive efficiency ranking. So second best offense in the country which basically you could say arguably makes him the best offense in the country, and it's because of those three guards. They are a handful. They all can handle it. They all can shoot it. They all can get to the rim. They all can hit threes. They all, like, tough. Now, I will say Baylor defensively, they aren't as good as they've been in years past. They're actually just a, a a bit outside of Ken Palm's top 100 defensive efficiency ranking, which is a little surprising. Uh, but it's still it they still got athletes, and it's still the no middle defense where they they force baseline, flood to the ball, and trap on the baseline. It's how Texas Tech plays. It's how Texas usually plays. So handling the ball, if this this is all like if this matchup happens, handling the ball is going to be vital in that one for Creighton's guards. Now, I will say this when you look at Baylor. They've, they've stumbled a little bit down the stretch here. They're, they're, they're kind of limping into the NCAA tournament here. Baylor has lost four of their last six games heading into the NCAA tournament. Two and four in their last six games. So you just you wonder about momentum and and confidence, how they're feeling as a group. You wonder. I've I've said it on my pod a, a little a couple of episodes ago. Like I'm a believer in confidence and momentum heading into March. I don't I don't know if Baylor's playing with a ton of confidence right now. So if you're looking for some positive things, defensively, not as good as Baylor's been in the past. And they're kind of limping into the tournament. But the other side of that is those three guards are fucking good. Not good, great. So, I mean, if you you know you do a pod, you got to make a prediction. Like, I think Creighton can beat Baylor. I, I really do. But at this point, I just... You know, as it sits today, I got a lean Baylor with those three guards and how dynamic they are. I think those three guards are going to would be the difference in the game if that game happens with Creighton over the course of 40 minutes. Again, I think Creighton can win the game. I think it will be a close game, but I would have to give Baylor the nod. 
But let's just hope this matchup happens, man. Let's hope Creighton gets past NC State, gets a chance to take a swing at Baylor, and then at that point, see what go, see what happens. So there you go, big weekend. It's finally here, man. This is the moment this group has been waiting for. Preseason top 10, final four talk, hit some adversity this year. Like Greg McDermott said in the press conference after Selection Sunday, it's pretty amazing to go from losing six in a row to being a six seed in the NCAA tournament. It's just been an interesting year. This group has it in them to make a run. They 100% do. Did they get a great draw and a great seed and a great path? Eh, not great. But at the same time, I don't know, man. We can't have it both ways, too. We, and when I talk about we, I mean, you know, the media who cover Creighton or Creighton fans or whatever, we can't talk a big game about Creighton and how they're a legitimate Final Four team and all that, and then complain and cry about an 11 seed bubble team barely getting into the tournament being who they draw. You know, NC State is is dangerous, yes, but so are a lot of teams, man. It's a tournament. You're not you're not playing Lucky Charms tech unless you're a one seed in the first round. This is a tournament, man. Everybody can play. Everybody can play. I mean, shit, I was just at the Big Sky Finals, Montana State. That's that's a Kansas State better buckle the chin straps. They better be ready to play. That's a 14 seed, Montana State. Like, they better be ready to go. I just was at, I mean, Vermont's not bad. They won the America East game that I called over the weekend. Like, everybody, you're in the tournament, man. These are these these teams can play. So, yes, I, but I will say Baylor's a tough draw for a potential second-round game, in my opinion. In my opinion. For me, all give me all the three seeds. Who's the team? And I'm like, you get first choice to you, – you definitely get to avoid them. And I'm like, Baylor. I don't want – get Baylor out of here. So, yeah, Baylor's a, a potential tough-as-hell second-round game. That I do agree with. But that's just how it goes, man. That's how it goes. Creighton had a chance, I will say this, Creighton had a chance to win and get a better seed and not have to play Baylor in the second round, and unfortunately they didn't do that. Now, it is unfortunate that Kalkbrenner got mono and had some things, just like everything that could go wrong went wrong in the first you know month and a half of the season. But Creighton had a chance to really improve things during, you know, during this, this stretch here. Creighton at full strength also had Marquette down 12, inside the CHI Health Center, ready to seize control of the Big East and start the rise in improving their seating, and they lost. And then they also had Xavier in the semifinals in Madison Square, Madison Square Garden where you could have knocked off Xavier, who's a three-seed, and then gotten a crack at Marquette, who's a two-seed. And they didn't. So you get the point. But all that is done with and over with. So... Now, here they are. It's March. It's time. It's March. It's time. This team has the coaching and the personnel. They absolutely can make a run. It starts Friday afternoon in Denver with NC State. Here we go. It's time. It's time to dance, Creighton. A Heard at Sports Network production.